Good afternoon and welcome to Genomics Cupshop. Genomics Cupshop is an initiative by Map My Genome to create a community around genomics and to simplify genomics for everyone. And we do this by bringing together experts from allied areas like medicine, genetic counseling, nutrition, fitness, and more. Please join us as we spread the word about this exciting science of genomics. We are now available on your favorite podcast as well. Just search for Genomics Gupshop on, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or Google Podcasts. Today in our 30th episode, we are thrilled to welcome Dr. Rajesh Khanna, who's a senior pediatrician. And a lot of times, I think it is very hard to get his time to be there. I think we saw that many phone calls that came in while, uh, while we were just trying to get this started. So thank you so much for your time, Dr. Rajesh Kanda, and uh, welcome to Genomics Gupshap. Thank you. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. So uh, nice initiative. I appreciate that. So we are always uh, very much uh, happy and delighted to uh, definitely participate in such shows so that such kind of awareness programs are very much needed so that... Uh, uh, patient education is the backbone of our practice. Uh, if the better they are educated and half our practice uh, is uh, built on the patient education itself. If patients are ignorant, illiterate, uh, the kind of the presentation which, which they bring in will be on the uh, complicated side. So I welcome your approach and thank you for giving me this opportunity. Hey, thank you, Dr. Kana. So I think I, I was very curious about your name. You know, I uh, just wanted to check, you know, were your parents fans of Rajesh Karna, the movie star, or 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 is there something else to the to the name? I am basically from uh, Hyderabad only, South India. Uh, my parents were Lord Shiva's devotees, actually. So we have a devotee, right? Uh, Bhakta Kannappa. So that Kannappa stands with K-N-N, actually. So my name was initiated as uh, named as uh, KNN only but in certificate it has mentioned KH so I let it go like that <laughs> so that's how I became as a uh, KHN Rajesh Khanna is a North Indian <laughs> not just North Indian but a very popular movie star so I guess you know when you first type in Rajesh Khanna you'll get both yes. pediatrician Rajesh Khanna and, and movie star Rajesh Khanna uh, but but it's an interesting thing because you know in in genetics also when we when there is one change of a letter I think it can make make a big difference yes. so I guess from Kanna it became KHA. Nice, nice comparison, good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So so Dr. Kanna, um, why did you become a pediatrician? I, I mean of of course I can see you have a very busy practice, but what what inspired you to become a pediatrician? Yeah, see, uh, becoming a doctor is from my childhood's dream uh, because every generation of my family uh, is a doctor compulsory. My forefathers, grandfathers, everyone. So one among that generation should be a doctor. That's a dictum kind of thing going on. So my father uh, in this uh, present generation, he from my childhood, he tuned my mind like that. At the same time, both parents were doctors. Mm -hmm. So that inspired me a lot. And my father trained me in the medical side when I was in my childhood itself, like before I joined medical school, my father almost taught all the medical subjects. So I was ahead in medical education and uh, my I was with my parents during their clinical practice. So that the way they were interacting with the patients and all that inspired me a lot. And coming to the pediatric subject, so after my finishing MBBS from Usmani Medical College, 
I had an option of pediatrics and uh, uh, MD pediatrics uh, during those days is considered as the highest uh, form. So those in the high top merit list, MD pediatrics uh, subject getting itself it is like a kind of boon for us. Mm -hmm. So I have chosen this path after which uh, once I was practicing with kids, I loved the subject a lot because uh, treating kids is something special. Being Becoming a pediatrician, you are a wholesome doctor because you can treat on both age groups. Even adult side, you can act like, because treat like a physician for the parents also. But uh, when you become physician, it is very difficult to become a pediatrician. You cannot practice pediatrics when you are just a physician alone. So that inspired me a lot. So I thought like better be on the pediatric side and treat both the populations because coming with the, their kids, many grandparents and their children uh, and their parents also, they seek medical advice and I am in a position to treat them as well. That gives me immense medical satisfaction. So I am blessed to be a pediatrician. I think I think it's great that you're not only treating the children but also the parents and, and grandparents yes. because yes. I, I remember the first time I had a baby, I remember there's a lot of uh, anxiety about you know no one knows how to to manage that uh, very well so i'm sure you get a lot of questions around around that is you know yeah, what should i do you know my my child had this and, and, yes, and yes. something like that uh, so is that something that uh, you, you 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 get a lot of or what kind of patients do you normally see is it a lot of it being first time parents they, uh, or is it yeah, yeah. So I, uh, 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 so in Hyderabad, I practice in the most uh, like premium segment areas, Jubilees, Banjaris area. Here, most of the time we face the highly educated uh, population uh, parents only. So there, the uh, parents are almost having uh, fifty percent of the medical uh, patient education material with them as well. So they Google, they read about it. So when you face a parent with a kind of some subject information, you should definitely be ahead of them and you should be up to date in the knowledge. And it's uh, it's quality practice that you are uh, teaching the parents, you are involving them in the care of the child. It's, it's in fact, the job is made simplified when parents are well-educated. At the same time, it is challenging for the pediatrician that his knowledge should be up to date and he should, he's definitely, he should cross that edge. You cannot be like uh, in the peripheries, there is no time to spend time on uh, educating the parents. It's basically, you just mention the treatment and uh, half our time is um, uh, like, uh, is spent just only on treating, treating, treating. And, and the volumes are more in the peripheries. Here we have scheduled appointments, for every patient, we take at least five to 10 minutes to check their growth, development, vaccinations, nutrition, and all the basic uh, important information and complete wholesome approach is there. So that gives professional satisfaction to us. So that's how we are approaching. And uh, uh, it's good that we are getting time to spend in academics also. So we have regular academics. I am associate professor of pediatrics. Uh, due for my professorship. So uh, uh, this uh, kind of academic uh, activities uh, blended with uh, my practice uh, makes me more wise in my practice. But that's that's great. I think we, we definitely need a lot more people who can understand both the medical science as well as the research 
aspects of it and the teaching because ultimately i think medicine is a field that is growing so rapidly that yeah. it will, if we don't have these crossovers i think it becomes harder and harder to, to yes, keep that up that is my appeal to majority of the doctors who attend my classes sessions which are held almost on a regular weekly basis so i teach uh, medical graduates uh, uh, we have up to date meetings uh, with uh, all the other pediatricians my colleague pediatricians as well so wherein i appeal them ki at least spend some time at least one hour at least a week uh, to spend on the latest updates and uh, at least two minutes of their time in uh, educating the parent regarding some nutritional advice or some vaccination advice brings lot of difference on preventive strategy mm-hmm. so the child might be coming to you on a regular basis with recurrent symptoms but if you spare a minute or two minutes then what happens you are helping the community in uh, reducing the disease burden so uh, our aim and target goal approach is not only just building our practice but also to make uh, the society healthy so that uh, approach towards social uh, approach uh that should be there in our minds uh, to make a healthy population no i think that's 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 very noble and 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 great and i think one of the things that at macmaj you know we are also propagating is that you know prevention is ultimately the cure yes, and yes. i saw a lot of your videos on on nutrition and and uh, urging parents to sort of reduce yes. on the junk food and i know it's not an easy thing because of you know, you stop going to any supermarket and you'll see True. so much appealing uh, so right. many appealing foods for them so, yes so, the know. first step to uh, changing our mindset or uh, uh, the uh, the initiation towards um, transformation or you have a problem and you want to get rid of it itself is the first primary step is educate ourselves so that education should be brought by our informative materials some videos like this today's days of digital marketing so you have lot of access through digital media so you can educate parents and that first step if they put into practice when they get educated and put it into practice initially they may face some challenges to overcome that because preaching is easy but putting it into practice is little little difficult but when you are strongly determined that difficulty is erased over a period of time when you are not determined and you are halfway through that and you just accept the way it is going you will never get rid of it so basically our mindset to strongly determine and follow doctor's advice and adhere to doctor's advice that is more important adherence is very very important well, I, i think it is um, you know when you become a parent i think um, yes. i don't know if there is a thing called a good parent or how people learn to become good parents or yeah. do you think everybody learns on the job because uh, as he i myself uh, a father of twins so i face lot of challenges when i uh, teach also so based on the problems which i face personally so mm-hmm. putting a word or taking some advice uh, and uh, just putting into practice definitely is a challenging thing but my own principles which i uh, teach the patient uh, the parents that when i put into my own practice parenting i definitely i have got the result why not others everybody will get the result but that perseverance is important yes agreed that uh, uh, children always uh, are like that's why they are named uh, their children that is a unique character of them that they will throw some tantrums they behave fussy and uh, 
uh, that parenting would nowadays is like a, a busy lifestyle of parents, right? So you have to compulsory overcome that. Your compulsory at least spare some time in listening to doctor and following his advice. Sure. And I think, you know, just like you mentioned that, you know, you, you were in a family of doctors. So in some ways, maybe medicine was in your DNA and you also saw that as a nurture thing. And I guess similarly, I think people learn about how we eat from um, looking at the parents as well. right? Like I think a lot of it is imbibed from just looking around you. Uh, both peers as well as what you do in the family. So I think, you know, maybe if you all become better at eating ourselves, then maybe we will inspire uh, children to do the same as well. Correct. True. So, um, so doctor, when did you start? I know that you are, you do a lot of, uh, you are very aware of genetic testing and you are doing that quite a bit, but when was the first time that you found genetic testing to be helpful for your, your patients? Yeah. See, uh, pediatric subject itself, when you choose, uh, you have uh, definitely uh, a separate uh, segment of population dealing with uh, genetic disorders. Mm -hmm. uh, I think no other branch will have to face that because we are the uh, first professionals to handle these disorders. And majority of the times, it's pediatricians advice sought for the genetic disorders. Uh, so right from the time of birth, that at which we have to rule out uh, the anomalies, the genetic disorders. So newborn screening has come into practice at least uh, seriously from 2006 and seven onwards. Uh, thereafter, like uh, some parents were not that accepting. From 2016, 17, after a decade from when it uh, actually entered us, it took uh, so, so many years for us to implement actually in a large scale. Mm -hmm. Uh, because uh, initially the acceptance rate was less, the cost was high. Now, when it is going widely, the cost is being reduced significantly. So, uh, every parent relies on the pediatrician advice. When pediatrician himself is not, um, uh, like he's not, uh, uh, what I say, he's not convinced about the need of the newborn screening or genetic screening, he cannot convince the parents. And how will the pediatrician get convinced? He's looking at the data of uh, the rising incidence. Like when you screen more, you detect more. Mm -hmm. right? When the incidence, see, for example, one in uh, 3,000, one in 5,000 uh, uh, figures has come only after rapid screenings. Initially, it was looking at as one in three for example any disease so uh, when you when you if you detect the disease at an early stage you will start treatment at an early stage the prognosis will be better outcomes will be better so this is how pediatricians should take into the mindset of parents so i uh, appeal yes to conduct some uh, meetings with uh, doctors, professionals who are really working hard in the peripheries, where see clearing the volumes of patients itself is a tough job for them. For them, once in a, uh, three months or once in a month, if you conduct some meetings where doctors can give some updates for them, uh, then what happens if we are sharing the knowledge with them, data with them, they will create awareness in the public. Let this knowledge reach the masses 
then what happens people will start uh, uh, respecting the doctor's advice even doctor himself tells that as an optional thing even yeah. now i see some doctors prescribe it as an optional thing so that mindset we have to change so 2016 17onwards we were doing vigorously and our practice we don't miss even a newborn without a newborn seeing that genetic disorders at least if not all at least 7 to 10 disorders the main most important disorders we are screening every child every child no i think that's a uh, much needed i think many countries have made that as as a standard of care uh, correct so if it is coming from the government's policy as an initiative of, so uh, when it is done from the government point of view also then what happens the acceptance rates will be very high mm-hmm. not everyone will be affordable right but those who are affordable also they are still under the impression that it is an optional thing and 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 also i think we saw that like if we can make because if you just want to do base level newborn screening i think we can you know we can look at some of the conditions that are there and i think now the costs are not as high as it used to be because later on i think the cost becomes higher right like if you leave it untreated i think that cost is way higher yeah. always see i face many such questions also one of the question is like for example you get a meningitis the parent uh, asks that the cost of the treatment for meningitis is much lesser than the vaccine cost such questions also comes then i say whatever it is uh, prevention is definitely better than cure and for the cause you want to face the disease you want to uh, land in the disease and test whether your treatment is working sometimes what if your treatment doesn't work if the bug gets uh, resistant for the drug then what happens you will land in complications and death is inevitable in such cases so you cannot uh, take any chance vaccines are very very important as a measure for prevention as well as any disease for example diabetes hypertension or even genetic disorders if they are screened at an early age you will definitely prevent uh, the disease progression mm-hmm. you will halt the progression you will keep it under control before your organs are damaged i think most of the time you know one of the things and i think you mentioned this as well that people are saying that sometimes the treatment is cheaper but it's not only about cheaper it is also about the damage that it can cause you right there's adverse effects that might be there in some cases there might be like you said resistance to the to the to uh, any treatment options as well uh, yes. but i think you know i know that even among the educated population there are people who strongly are opposed to a vaccine right um, i mean not a very large number but there is a, a yeah, see what happens is uh, uh, see every every aspect of medical treatment carries some risks with it so when one out of some uh, some uh, uh, 10 to 15 lakh patients who received if one gets some adverse effect immediately the next day media publishes it as if that one percent itself is a, a big threat to the society then what happens the rest of the people will start um, rejecting that so you need to see you can publish or project what happened to that 1% at the same time publish the benefits of it also so when benefits are outweighing the risks always we should come forward to take uh, adapt to or accept that modality of treatment so if the risks are outweighing the benefits yes so if the risk is very high 
then benefits are less, we will reject the treatment. So we should not um, uh, discourage those who are approaching the medical modality of treatment. See, uh, you, when you are publishing such data, adverse events reports also, on the other side of the column, you mentioned experts' advice and, and if it's related uh, that the which how many landed in it and the educated population when this set of data is projected definitely they because of lack of proper education mm -hmm. lack of proper education this is uh, happening yeah i mean i like to tell this as like you know there are road accidents that happen on uh, you know but that doesn't stop us from going in a car or going somewhere um, I think it's the same way. I think you have to look at, you know, when you look at it from an overall perspective, I think it doesn't, you have to see whether that is going to help you in, in right. some way. And, True. you know, and I think now we are coming up with newer technologies to be able to help us identify who are those people who maybe will not, yes. uh, for whom it will not work. Correct. As well. It's uh, like uh, the technology is advancing. Initially, you may face more risk, but as technology is advancing, you are, uh, heading towards better development of uh, medical products, vaccines, other which have least least side effects. Mm -hmm. And uh, when doctors uh, approach the parents are coming, uh, that minimal amount of side effects which are faced, uh, you it's okay you mention to them, but should not discourage them or prevent them from uh, uh, getting vaccinated or not. Similarly, the test approach also investigation modality also uh, when it is really needed. See, it all depends the way we are counseling. Mm -hmm. Our volume, our tone, voice should be filled with confidence. And that confidence is filled in our throat only when we are uh, becoming wise and getting proper education. So this evidence-based medicine practice, when you're, you're looking at the evidence, data, and you're learning, listening to the experts in the field, you will get that confidence. When you are in the dark and don't know what's going on, your voice is muffled and you cannot strongly uh, convey the message. You yourself are not convinced. How will you can be able to convince? And uh, for example, our genetics thing also see, uh, day by day, the uh, screen time is also increasing. Parenting uh, approach is also being changed. What's happening is uh, it's all nuclear families now, joint families are not there. Both parents are working, parents busy with their uh, mobiles, with their laptops. Parent, uh, children are left over to watch screens and their behavior is getting very much abnormal and they're landing in autism spectrum of diseases. And screening such diseases uh, are like uh, development assessments, genetic background of these disease. And all later on when they come to us, when you are ordering such tests, which is little expensive also, there, that hesitancy is coming. And acceptance of the abnormality itself, uh, itself is a tough thing for them. It comes as a big blow to them, that they will not be ready to accept that their child is abnormal. And similarly, any genetic disorder which you are facing, like you are, you are able to look at dysmorphic faces, dysmorphism, what we call abnormal features, uh, it sometimes may be a mere uh, 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 different uh, normal, a variant of the normalcy itself. 
we cannot totally declare it as being abnormal and we cannot uh, change their uh, parenthood also. We cannot discourage them from it. It should not always project to them or uh, make them uh, uh, less interested in their parenting. Mm -hmm. We should be giving a positive ray of hope and uh, trying to seek their faith and convincing them properly to get the test done. And once the reports are come, which uh, will uh, will adhere to your diagnosis, then you project it properly. That proper counseling is required, and then you will how approach to a child. So these are limitations for the genetic disorders uh, approach from the pediatrician or any uh, clinician's approach. It's I, I I totally agree, and I think. You know, one one thing that maybe what we have seen is that uh, a lot of times, you know, you know, if the education is there, parents are are going forward with it. I remember a long time back, um, one of my friends actually did not realize that we also do these kind of tests, and he said that you know my doctor did not educate me about this. And then yeah. I read later on that you know you, we could have done tests like that. So I think one is clearly I think from our side we need to. You know, raise the awareness levels, and I think uh, yeah, if we can. Uh, uh, sometimes, see, medical profession uh, practicing is also not that easy because, see, we are having, suppose if I have 10 patients today, I have some time to spend with the patients. I'll go into the depths mm -hmm. and I'll share all the information. I'll uh, touch every aspect of what is required. But then, I, same day, I have to see some volumes 30 to 50 patients. Wow. Then, what happens? I'll. Uh, may not be able to count, spend so much time in counseling, then I will, I alternate methods I'll have to find out, like uh, uh, placing some handouts or some display pics, where in the waiting area itself, patients are half educated from there. So they'll take the leaflets, they'll go through that. You just uh, share your uh, website details, wherein you will save the information. That's how you'll spread the awareness. Mm -hmm. So you will like uh, share your video, and ask them to you know, what is really required in this uh, consultation you'll address that at the same time you'll ask them to go through further details through the links provided so that's how you should approach I, I agree and I think uh, we'll, we'll make sure that we can also do our part in terms of the education um, so uh, you mentioned a little bit about uh, autism uh, and, and uh, do you see a lot of that happening because I remember once I was talking to another doctor and, and she mentioned that you know the number of cases that they're seeing are have increased quite dramatically so yes. is that your uh, yeah as I said uh, these days we are uh, facing uh, like every every week I can say every week one or two such kids are coming to my practice and uh, those kids uh, among them also like it's uh, parents hesitancy because they have to spend some time in taking the child for development assessment, behavioral modification therapies and all that. So before that, uh, first thing we should educate that at least stop screen time or reduce screen. And second thing is spend some quality time with their kids. Third is avoiding all junk and packed foods, outside foods, which have also got influence on that. So these three things, if they follow, like uh, at least you are contributing to some uh, part of the treatment. Mm -hmm. Then if the child is not improving successively, you will slowly uh, advise them to get the test done so that the reports which come 
will uh, change their mindset. If the reports are also suggestive or support your diagnosis, parents are 100% convinced. And your findings, they may not sometimes uh, just value. Mm. So we will have to take the uh, step, one step ahead towards genetic uh, component of it also. So they will always try to deny what you are telling that you reduce in a they'll say hardly watches half an hour or one hour. Sometimes they bluff that he doesn't watch screen also. They'll not accept the mistake in front of the other parents, right? So that's when you will also attribute some other factors. Nutrition wise, yes, you will just advise you don't know when how they are, but genetic wise, you cannot bluff them, right? You were if that part is also ruled out, if they have some background of genetic uh, copy number variants, that thing. So what happens is they are now convinced 100%. So they have to start some medical management. So such things now, uh, they have to read some leaflet, go through our education materials and uh, also see what happens. This area of uh, uh, this area segment of uh, management, medical practices, having a kind of dismal progress is what happens is uh, sometimes you will not get the desired results because it's an integrated holistic approach is required uh, mere uh, telling or teaching parents also sometimes doesn't reflect in the uh, improvement of the child they have to put into practice if they don't uh, spend some time and what you have said to them is not implemented put into practice you will never get the results and they keep changing the the therapy centers development centers also They'll keep on shopping different centers, different doctors. Ultimately, child's treatment is delayed. Mm -hmm. I get uh, parents uh, from abroad also. They're, they don't, they're not satisfied with the management. They, they come here and I advise something here. They have to adhere to the treatment here. So this kind of movement happens because of lack of proper counseling. So day one, you have to tell that without your involvement in the treatment, or without your approach, we cannot uh, success be successful. So it's required that now uh, people like you have genetic counselors and uh, like you have some uh, kind of education materials, audios, videos, modalities. This makes brings a lot of change actually. Now uh, the things are changed, getting changed now. So I can see parent awareness programs are increasing. So their approach is also in, uh, modified. So I, I think you mentioned one thing which I know is a difficult thing, the one where you're looking at changing their nutrition. But I think once they're aware, I think they are determined to, to actually change that, right? Now, one of the things that I'm thinking about is that you know, when you look at the microbiome, which is just a test that we've just recently just launching, um, is that you know you might tell that you have eaten healthy food, but you can see in your microbiome what you've actually eaten, right? So maybe, you know, do you think something like that would be a helpful thing from, a, you know, helping parents yeah. understand? From past uh, one year, I can say dysbiosis uh, uh, is my favorite topic and many videos of mine is addressed based on dysbiosis itself. So ubiome, retaining the ubiome is very, very important. A healthy gut itself plays crucial role for uh, treating majority of the disorders. If gut is unhealthy, you will land in many diseases. So gut rules rules your body actually. Your brain functioning, your nervous system functioning, every immunity system, immune system functioning. So everything is dependent on healthy gut. 
and your gut health is depend on depends on what you eat so you need to you need to take care of your uh, gut uh, health and uh, the, the you have to preserve the eubiome eubiosis if it is disturbed causing dysbiosis always leads to diseases including obesity diabetes hypertension now see uh, vitamin d uh, past 7 8 years back it has become um, a novel drug for this uh, decade right every specialty prescription includes vitamin d you go to endocrinologist cardiologist neurologist every one's prescription ends with vitamin d compulsory similarly now this dysbiosis uh, uh, as a part of the diagnosis or as an attributing factor comes to every specialty mm. neurologist also has to attribute to a dysbiosis your uh, endocrinologist also will attribute to dysbiosis so every field, every field of our medical practice should address dysbiosis compulsory. That uh, and your approach for this, yes, uh, it's a welcome approach, and uh, such things also will uh, change the mindset of the parents. It's it's good approach from your side as well. We will we will support such uh, uh, things definitely. Good good initiative. So I remember when we were doing so the last one year, one and a half year, we've been doing a lot of research on this. And I remember when my normal, I mean, I'm relatively a very healthy eater. So I, you could see that when I did the first time, it was fine. Everything looked great. Then um, during Diwali, uh, I was obviously got tempted by a lot of junk, I mean, and sweets and, and other things. And when I did my test that time, you could see a change in your, in the microbiome. You could show, see that that was there. So I said, you know, I might tell, I might be saying I'm eating healthy, but it was very clear. Yeah, so this uh, initiative from your side also should reach uh, the wide, uh, large scale of population because such thing uh, is really being there, existing in the market to do so, uh, coming from the doctor's advice perspective and uh, uh, touching the importance of it. So widespread education, doctors uh, advising the parents, everything is involved, compulsory involved. I think pediatricians are the beginners for your uh, success actually because it's from our end, actually, it begins your story. Absolutely. So, uh, so it's a uh, first uh, uh, speciality which can contribute to this will be pediatrics. I agree. And one more thing we find is that, you know, we keep telling that we should be doing carrier screening, right? When parents are planning a baby. Uh, what we have found is that normally we are seeing that it is usually for the second baby that parents are coming for that. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think maybe that education is that coming also from begins from our end only antenatal counseling. Now obstetricians, uh, uh, like we are creating awareness with obstetricians as well. So every antenatal woman uh, who is coming to them, they will attach pediatrician uh, uh, consultation also. I openly offer free consultations to all such antenatal women. So antenatal counselings are like our first step of our practice of for a, for one for, for an individual. So such babies, uh, healthy development inside the uterus, so that uh, uh, brain development or immune system development is beginning from the embryo level itself, right? So whether the baby is healthy, healthy growing or not, or what contribution from your end is needed for the healthy development of the fetus, that uh, real-time education is driven by the pediatrics, actually. So uh, in, from the fetal stage onwards, 
developments. So obstetrics oriented approach is different. Pediatrics approach is different. When both together approach a patient, they will get better benefit. So we will uh, we will actually um, have to uh, create this awareness that uh, have you visited visited uh, your pediatrician. Second thing is first child having any genetic disorders anomaly and they don't want second child to land in such anomalies. They go ample screenings and uh, how to prevent such anomaly for the further pregnancies, future pregnancies. Before even genetic counselors are met, pediatricians are counseling uh, is very much and they are sought, their advice is sought. So uh, then resort for uh, testing both the parents. See, we here we have a lot of uh, ethical issues also. Some religious beliefs are there. And see, always the mindset of our community is like uh, most of the time, all the investigations are traced out only on the females. Males are little... Uh, like, see, when you yourself create some sort of disturbances in their marital life also, based on this, that the culprit is this fellow, not you, <laughs> that culprit gene is residing in, that, that, that should never happen, actually. So, the way we are counseling should be something, should be a collective approach. Both the parents should be involved in the success. So, you should give them some remedial measures. We should give them a ray of hope also, how best they can get rid of it. So if can, definitely premarital screenings, if that stage itself, even if some disparities are arising, if you're cutting down at that stage is okay. But once married and late, you are finding some abnormalities, you should not highlight such issues. Should give some remedies, that's it. But premarital things, it's hardly anything going on, but at least with our approach and counseling, education programs, yes, people are now willing to take such premarital, in which such the major disorder screening should be placed in that profile, health profiles setting, wherein, for example, thalassemia is so common nowadays. One addition of HB electrophoresis itself, when you are preventing uh, two minus uh, now creating a major child, uh, thalassemia major in the child, that itself is a mistake from our end, right? Just mm -hmm. undergo screenings, found, then it's the choice is the, on the on the uh, both the sides, uh, boy and girl side. But uh, as a responsible doctors, if the advice is sought that how carrier screening is going on, then it's definitely important uh, from the genetic screening that you will give them this uh, uh, profile with uh, such screenings. Then you will prevent. Uh, so the, our prevention uh, step starts from there itself, right? You are preventing uh, uh, the uh, fetus, abnormal fetus. I, I agree. I think, you know, we you know, we have created a match my genome to be able to do that. But I think the awareness levels are still not at the levels we would like it to be. But do you see a lot of consanguineous parents uh, that that come to you or because I know that in this, you know, especially in, in the South, I think a lot of times there are marriages that happen. See, our family system is so built uh, that our uh, joint families which were existing, people definitely uh, feel safe that uh, our girl baby when uh, married to our nearest relative 
is in put in the safe hands mm -hmm. but uh, coming to the genetics when close genes are um, united then resulting in abnormal outcomes so ha can happen that risk is there so from our uh, medical school onwards when you are taking a history from the patient the genetic history whether consanguineous or non consanguineous consanguineous or putting much emphasis on consanguinity alone as i said now before marriage you are put highlighting it it's well and good definitely you highlight and you put it in the danger situation you you simply deny also that's okay but after getting married you just attribute everything to consanguinity then quarrels begin sure. so you cannot attribute everything to consanguinity itself so as at a personal level myself itself i just take that history but uh, you should not always put the parents and project them as a culprits and then they start quarreling among each other why this happened to me and they will also going to depression so happened is happened now marriage is done show them the remedial measures but premarital screenings yes you highlight that better you avoid consanguineous marriages but after getting married no don't have create that repentance also Correct. I mean, I think after once that is done, I think what you can do is provide counseling and and support to the parents. Because there are many consanguineous marriages also, parents, but outcomes are good. No, no abnormal genetic abnormality seen. So may or may not happen. We should create awareness. So I mean, one of the things we like we started uh, preventive genomics about a decade ago. Um, but we found that, you know, there'll be some people who said, okay, I don't want to understand risk for certain kinds of diseases, especially things that come later on in life. Uh, but, you know, you've, you've been talking a lot about nutrition. And one of the things that we are doing now is we're saying that we, for children, especially, can we create something that makes them more aware about things like nutrition, things like, you know, what their potential is in terms of uh, sports and, and other things. So that they actually adopt a healthier lifestyle. And when you do adopt a healthier lifestyle, the chances of you getting other diseases are also reduced. When you reduce obesity, you're reducing a lot of other things as well, right? Uh, so yes. do you think that approach is a good approach because we've now come up with a product for beauty and, and, and for children because we yes. don't want people to be intimidated, but we want people to be able to say that if I take this information, I can actually get people to be aware and, and therefore make certain changes. Now, for, uh, for most of the diseases now, uh, uh, we are going into the genetic level. What Understand the uh, genetics. When you understand genetics properly, your medical research is advanced and the treatment is simplified and preventive strategies are built on it. Now, majority of research, for example, obesity, diabetes and all, the attributing factors, genes related to each are from the uh, infant uh, or from the fetus level onwards. Now, some lifestyle diseases whose uh, uh, the disease component originated from the childhood. So the child, in fact, is heading towards that. If the modification doesn't happen at this juncture, this child will land into such disease. That kind of projective uh, approach, like you project the parabola, the grossy, you are going growing in a certain percentile of weight. For example, you are going growing in a 90th centile. You on height on a percentile. You project this to a certain extent that at the at 10 years age, if you are growing the same centile, you will reach this. 
mm. that target height and weight is predicted. Similarly, if the current uh, child's nutritional status is projected, you will tell that this will lead into such uh, things. That's how you will, your approach should come. So this projection uh, uh, phenomenon begins from the pediatrics, pediatrician itself, and you are attributing every disease to the childhood level. So it's the preventive strategies also should begin from the period. That's why I told you, you your first approach starts from the pediatrics. I, I agree because I think what you do and when you are a child, I think is what any child presents with me just before our session. Uh, a 10 years child coming with a 54 kg, we plot, we take the BMI, we'll show them on the chart that this child is falling on the overweight side, can land into other uh, non-communicable disease that is diabetes, hypertension, how best you can prevent. What is that? You offer them the input and output. You just put some time and give them some diet chart, calorie calculation and you tell at the same time how best they can uh, put uh, on the expenditure, how can they uh, spend their energy? Because these days are sedentary still, sitting and reading or sitting and watching television, screen time is increasing. They are less participating in the games and activities. Outdoor game activities has reduced a lot. Now in some gated communities, something can happen, but majority of sites, you don't have ample place for them to play. So how best, all these indoor activities, so how can they improve themselves? How best they can spend their energy. That's how we should discuss. Our approach should go on. No, I agree. Um, so I think, you know, I know that I've, I've, we've reached about an hour and I don't want to take up too much of your time, but there are a few more, two more segments of this uh, of this talk. And I think with you, we maybe I can talk for a few hours on, on many different things. But I want to just ask a few you know, questions that I normally ask everyone. Uh, one is, uh, and and this especially for you, I think, because what what is prevention in your view? What would be the, you know, the first few things that you could advise uh, parents and children? Yes. See, um, anything which is spoiling your current health, a simple strategy which can reverse back what is going wrong in your body. That strategy is a preventive strategy. So you are. Uh, not landing in a disease at the same time your organs are not uh, getting damaged on a daily basis so how best is first thing is comes from the nutritional point of view modification your daily lifestyle modification that is the first uh, preventive strategy lifestyle modifications which includes some nutritional advice some exercise some uh, daily how best they can live their life on a simple daily basis Second strategy is screening of the diseases. You don't have that particular disease now, but you just screen for it. For example, you screen a child for sugar levels, thyroid levels, vitamin D levels. So on an yearly basis, you check their urine. If the child's protein loss in the urine is happening over a period of time, uh, it you will land some, because the first presentation of diabetes in children itself is diabetic ketosis. They're landing in ICUs. That's when you, when you check their sugar is on the higher side. Mm -hmm. Till then, no one will advise a child to go on a periodic uh, uh, sugar level checks, right? It's they, parents think that it's on for the older age side itself. No, that should not be like that. So as I said, first is lifestyle modifications, behavioral modifications, including nutrition things. Second is screening, health screening, 
with some investigation level of this falls into a preventive strategy. These are the main pillars for the preventive strategies. And I think you know if they if they could also understand if there is a genetic basis to some of that, um, I think we find that people often so in that health screening strategies itself, yeah. you are including some things for a newborn. You are including the newborn screening genetic test, and for the uh, for the other children who are abnormal, you are adding some genetic test, and for the uh, history who are having of. Uh, uh, recurrent pregnancy losses or first child having some abnormalities, some carriers or some genes or genetic abnormalities. As a preventive strategies for further uh, future uh, deliveries, future pregnancies, you're offering some tests. All that also for so basically screening, screening uh, uh, a disease or uh, trying to look forward for what's going on wrong with you is a preventive strategy. And, and what is healthy aging? I know you're a pediatric doctor, but still, uh, I'll ask you, what is healthy aging in your view? Yeah. See, uh, cosmetic and appearance-wise itself, uh, the aging thing which you can see, but pre-radical generation, unhealthy food habits, uh, too much of stress, uh, all adds overthinking, all adds. But the children, too much of screen time, their unhealthy food habits, less amount of exercise, play activities, this all leads to early aging. So healthy aging is one, you are preserving your health. Age anyway will progress. You will one day become old, but you are healthy at current age. You are healthy as per your age. You are healthy. That's an healthy aging. You are maintaining your health. So good, good uh, uh, lifestyle, healthy eating practices, periodic annual health checkups, uh, periodic uh, doctor visits, all will help you in healthy aging. You think that if we come up with like, uh, you know, when you look at epigenetics and look at some of these markers that are there, uh, we can come up with the, there are a lot of these biological clocks that have I mean biological clock versus your current, where you are today, right? Your real age versus your biological age. And uh, do you think that's something that gets people to be a little bit careful because, you know, if it says that you're currently 50 years old, but your age is showing 60, then okay. you are aging way faster than, than, than others. The kind of approach needs um, uh, like... Um, a little time spending with them, counseling them properly. Maybe like I have a long busy OPD practice. I have one more uh, guy, people like you sitting beside my cabin, spending some time with us. So it's like mutual approach. So mm -hmm. when from, it begins from us, just you transfer some patients there, you are screening, you are creating awareness. From there, it the word of mouth spreads mm -hmm. in a large way. So begin with uh, some patients, it is projected into a large group. So your early step in early initiation itself will bring a lot of changes. So creating all such awareness is very much needed. So together we should work actually. I, I agree totally. So I know that um, you probably hear a lot of myths. Um, any, any specific ones that you would like to debunk today in terms of what you hear from your patients? Yes. Not all genetic disorders are uh, dangerous. They are treatable. Uh, screen them well in hand so that you will find solutions. They are treatable, much very much treatable and sometimes reversible also. And you have many solutions for it. 
no need to uh, get disheartened and uh, you, we are made of genetics our, we, our body is made of genes so you you are part of it actually you cannot see if you're you, you cannot escape from it know what's going on wrong with it very soon for every most of our uh, uh, health screening package will include this genetic uh, testing as well because genetic testing is not just oriented towards the qualitative and quantitative results we are going to research genetic uh, level wherein identifying the genetic uh, uh, disorder uh, genetic uh, mis genetic error which is causing such diseases when you are picking at that age maybe we have solutions to modify such things also so people should always uh, believe what doctor is telling and adhere to its advice uh, and uh, false beliefs of uh, uh, identification of some disorder is irreversible. Why to identify and just take some risk or take some stress is a false belief. Identification itself will give you the solution. I think when you know, you are more likely to act upon it. You know, when you measure, you are likely to act upon certain things. Um, so. Um, We'll, we'll move to the last round of this uh, talk. I don't know if your screen is frozen a little bit. Yeah, how, how much more time we have? Yeah, just five minutes. I know you have patience. So, um, yes. so uh, this is a very quick round. Uh, what, what is the most common complaint about you by your friends? <laughs> that I am busy. I am not, not that approachable. <laughs> and I don't visit the, the parties, functions. And my phone calls sometimes are unanswered. Unanswered. That is the most common complaint. Approachability is difficult. <laughs> I guess when you are busy, you can't you can't help it. Um, so, uh, if you were not a pediatrician, yes. what would you have been? <laughs> Scientist. Scientist. I guess you already are in some ways. <laughs> um, you are a morning person or a night person? That's more on the physics. Physics, yeah. physics aside, I love physics. Okay, so, nice. Uh, uh, so something more on the research-oriented side. This is more on the clinic side. So dealing directly with the disease component. If not on this part, I would definitely on that research, sitting in the lab, uh, finding out the cause for it. Uh, for time, I will not have definitely time to go into that level, but I have a lot of curiosity to go into the depths of the disease and finding the etiology properly and new modalities of treatment. That's the area of my interest. So you should come visit our lab and, and uh, yeah. there are many research projects we can, we can look yeah, at. Yeah. Please give me that opportunity, I'll visit. <laughs> uh, so uh, is there any uh, favorite movie or like a Rajesh Khanna movie or, or, or any other movie that, that, you, that you would like to tell us? I don't watch much movies. Uh, I always see any movie coming with a devotional name, uh, Sri Ramdasu or like now Adi Purush, whatever some devotional names come, those devotional movies I attend. Uh, but uh, always people tease me with Mere Sapnam Kirani song that based on my name. My patients always uh, uh, sing that song for me whenever they come. And a child uh, who is born in my hands and coming to me, growing in front of my eyes, so, uh, my name is uh, good for them actually. Yes. I, 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 
thank you so much dr kanra it's been a, it's been such a uh, such a pleasure talking to you i think it's great to see that you are doing science and the clinical activities both together and it's yeah. great to see your emphasis on prevention uh, and things that you know at least i'm also very passionate about whether it's nutrition whether it is you know life, lifestyle and all of that i think um, like, and and that you are very very aware of genetics uh, and and it's I'm actually open to anyone who is interested uh, in knowing uh, the basics of the, uh, the fundamentals of this also anyone can just google my name the guys can they can approach me and uh, just they can contact me educating wise is always free from side i can educate so anyone who is interested i will be more happy to educate them okay thank you so much my support for uh, such programs will always be there we will work together and you come forward whatever is needed from my end i'll support you thank you so much thanks okay take it bye bye yeah